are continuing our series this morning as we work our way through the Gospel of Luke. Um, and we are covering two chapters a week throughout the summer. Um, and so if, if you, uh, I hope, again, encouraging you to, to read along. We're not able to cover all of the stories, all of the interactions with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke. Um, but uh, again, there's, there's lots, lots to dive into. Um, and the past messages are available on, online. They're on our website. If you can go back and if you've missed one, you can go back and, and see it. You can watch it again. You know, if you're sitting here thinking, man, I wish this person would have heard this message, they can, you can send them the link online and they can go and watch it. Okay, um, and, and so those are available. Um, but as, as we're continuing to, to study through these last several chapters, we've seen have been focused on the Pharisees and on the religious leaders. Okay, well, when we get to chapter 17 today, Chapter 17 kind of changes gears a little bit. Okay, 17 starts off with Jesus turning to talk to his disciples. Okay, so if, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I encourage you to open with me to Luke chapter 17. Um, and we're going to be, uh, again, staying in 17, 18 today. Uh, if you don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets. And love to have you grab one of those on your outline as the page numbers of where you can find the, the passages in that Bible. But as we look at 17, again, it starts out focused on the disciples. Right? Jesus uh, turns to them, and, and he gives them some commands. He talks directly to them, okay? and he gives them some really hard things to do. Okay? He, he tells them, the first thing is he tells them to make sure that they never cause somebody else to sin. Okay? Don't, don't be involved in tempting somebody. Don't, don't, don't move them towards that. Don't be involved in anybody else's sin. And again, he goes into this descriptive of how bad it is for somebody who, who causes somebody else to sin. And then he goes on to the next thing, and he tells them that if, other belief, if they see other believers sinning, that you're supposed to call them out on it. You're supposed to hold them accountable. And again, we all know that's not an easy thing to do. And then if that's not enough, he, then he taps on this next thing, right, which is, and he tells them to grant forgiveness to others no matter how much they offend you. Continue to forgive them over and over and over again. In fact, he even uses this description of even seven times. And, you know, again, I think, well, could you even go beyond that, right? And just Jesus is always forgive them. Right now, his disciples look at Jesus in this interaction, and they have the same reaction that we have right now, right? Is these are really hard things to do. We cannot do that, Jesus. Right? You're asking too much. Okay, this, this, this is a very high standard. Right, that is, in fact, their view, right, is the same as ours, right? It's like, that's impossible. We cannot possibly uphold all of that. In fact, we, we see, though, their, their reaction in verse 5, okay, where, again, they, 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 the apostles then say to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Again, that's kind of their reaction, right? They're like, Jesus, you're asking some really tough stuff. Right? There's no way we can do this on our own. So show us, again, how do we increase our faith so that we even have a chance of accomplishing these things. Okay? And, and now with that, again, that's a really good question. And yet Jesus' response to them in verses 6 through 10 seems just as harsh as the original expectation. Right? In fact, Jesus goes in uh, you know, and, and basically tells them that if they had any faith at all, that the impossible would be possible. And then no matter how much they do for God, it isn't enough to make them worthy on their own. Right? That, I mean, talk about hard instructions. I mean, hard teachings. I mean, here Jesus 
You know, it's just this loving guy who goes around and healing everybody and all this. And then he looks, focuses on the disciples and gives them these impossible commandments. And, and as we think about that and realize that, right, they realize, just as we do, that, that anything God gives us, right, whether it's love, forgiveness, salvation, it is all by grace. Right, because th- this reaction in the disciples have that we can identify with is like, God, it, it's impossible for us to do that on our own. And in fact, Jesus is like, you're right. It is impossible for you to do it on your own. That's the point I want you to get. Right, because you need me. Right, if, because if you look and focus on me, right, what is I- impossible for you to do on your own is possible through, through God and his power. Right, and that is the core of the gospel message. Right, is we are saved by grace. Right, grace is the definition of grace, right, is receiving something I can never earn on my own. In fact, that's exactly what um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us. Is for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, this is the NIV version. I use this version, so it's not the same one that's in the Pew Bibles. Okay, I, I use this version because it uses the words grace and faith, and I just... I wanted to have that contrast. Right? Because notice, right, that, that, again, their question is, how can my faith increase? And then Jesus answers, starting with, well, you need grace. Because it is by grace you are saved, but how do you get grace? Well, you get grace through faith. Right? So grace and faith, they are, they are connected, they are intertwined. Again, grace is God's part. Only God can save us. We cannot save ourselves. Only God can save us, right? Grace is God's part, giving us what we cannot deserve and we can never earn. And yet faith is our part, right? Faith is is our end of the deal. We have to believe and accept even when we cannot see the whole picture. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. Grace is God's part. Faith is ours. Right? And, and the disciples understood this, right? They, this is why their reaction, right, is like, this is impossible for us. How can we increase our faith? And as we see grace and faith work hand in hand, they are intertwined. And so the, realizing the disciples asked a really good question. How can my faith be increased? And, and with that question, that is the question we're going to dive into then today because now, as Jesus has this interaction with the disciples, then he continues on, you know, through the story of the gospel and, and into these, these uh, interactions and these healings and these miracles. And, and with these following stories in chapter 17 and 18, Jesus lives out the answer to their question of how can my faith be increased? So as, as we see that, again, we're going to dive into these stories as, as we see Jesus, again, live out the answer to their question, how can our faith the increase. So the first story that we're going to look at today is in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Hey, Luke 17, starting at verse 11, it says, As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten leopards stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as as they went, they were cleansed from their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him 
for what he had done, this man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, as we see this, again, this interaction that Jesus has with these, these ten lepers. Now, leprosy was a skin disease. It was highly contagious. And in their culture, if you had this disease or others like it, right, is they were cast out onto the edges of society. Okay, and so, again, he has, he's traveling between towns, right? It would not be out of the ordinary to run into one of these groups of, of diseased men. Okay, now, now, in their culture, again, as I said, highly contagious, right? They, they were a part of their culture as they're pushed out to the edges of society, right? Their job, as if, when clean people come around that do not have this disease, was they were supposed to shout, unclean, unclean. And it was a warning to everybody that don't come close, we're all sick, we're very contagious, you don't want this. Okay, so they were supposed to shout that. Now, again, what did these guys shout? Okay, that's not what they shouted at Jesus. Right, no, they shouted to Jesus, make us clean. Okay, so as we think about and, and enter into this story, realize all of these men had a level of faith in Jesus. They knew that he could heal them. Right, they had heard the stories. They, you know, Jesus had, had caused quite a stir in, in this area by this point, right? They knew what Jesus was capable of, and instead of shouting unclean, they were actually inviting Jesus over, right? And saying, Jesus, heal us, cleanse us of our sickness. They, they had faith that Jesus could do it. And then Jesus, though, in, in the midst of this, doesn't just touch them or heal them like he's done in other healings. He gives them a command. He tells them, go to the priest. Now, again, in their culture, to get back into society after being thrown out, you know, diagnosed this back in, you had to go through, a priest had to check you off and saying, yes, they're healed, they're cleansed, now they can move back into the city. And so this was a process they would go through to get put back into the regular culture. Okay, and so Jesus says, hey, go to the priest. And, and notice as they go, they were still sick when they left. Right, and as they're on their way, they realize that they're healed. Right, and then as they notice that they're healed, right, is then we see their, their reaction. Okay, and, and again, they, with their reaction, right, and now this one guy, right, his reaction is to come back to Jesus. And again, what is his reaction when he gets there? Praise God. Right, he comes to praise, he comes to worship, to thank Jesus for healing Right, and so we see, again, there's the first answer, right? How is our faith increased? Well, our faith is increased with praise. Our faith is increased with praise. In verses 15 and 16, again, we see this guy's reaction. He says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. Again, his reaction was praise. Now, Again, when you see this, I, I encourage you to underline the phrase on your outline where it says, when he saw he was healed. Okay, now when he saw he was healed, it's when he realized he was healed. There's a difference between seeing something, right, and realizing something. Okay, because realizing it, you, again, we see things all the time that we stay away from, that we don't get involved in, we don't engage in. 
Right? We see lots of stuff pass by us every day. Right? These nine of these ten guys saw they were healed and went on their life. This guy realized he was healed and he came back. Right? There's a difference between seeing something, right, and just noticing it and truly seeing it. And this guy truly saw he was healed. And the difference between those two is our reaction. Right? We can notice something and have no reaction at all and just keep going about our life. Right? Or we can see it and engage. This man saw he was healed and he came back. Nine out of the ten of these guys' reaction was to celebrate and enjoy their own healing and go through the priest and go back into the, the society and stay focused on them, on the fact that they were healed. All right, what does this guy does? This guy comes back to Jesus, right, and he praises God and, again, gives glory where glory is due. All right, he knows, again, he knew he didn't heal himself. Right, so he came back to praise God who had healed him. Again, how many people in our society, again, do we see where we never give credit for our blessings? Right, God blesses us so much. Right, and yet, again, Jesus presents, again, I don't think there's really a big, big deal about the fact that it was 10% came back to thank, right? 90% of them just kept going. But yet, at the same time, we can look at our culture and realize that's, that's probably a pretty close statistic. Right, 90% of us just focus on ourselves and just keep going, and we never acknowledge our blessings. Right, but yet this guy came back and he praised. This one guy's reaction was to come back and to praise and to worship Jesus. He realized the grace and mercy that he had received and how he could have never done it on his own or without God's power. And his reaction was to praise. And again, what's the lesson, right? Is our, we realize our faith is, is increased when we praise. Right? Then we realize the more we praise God, the more we realize we need God. Right? The more we praise God, the more we realize we need God. Okay, now again, this, this statement, right, this is, the, the churchy term for this concept is humbleness. Right, is realizing, right, the more I praise God, the more I realize how great God is, and the more I realize how, how, how bad I am, right, and how I'm not God, and I need God. Right, the more we praise, the more, wise, more we realize that we need God. The more we praise, the more humbled we are. And this is one of the main reasons why we need to be in church on a regular basis to come together and to corporately praise our God, right? And to be encouraged by each other and by our praise. And that's why we spend, you know, the time, a lot of time in our service singing and praising God because it, it, it reminds us of who we are and how good he is. Right? And then in verse 17, again, Jesus asked about the other nine men. Again, not trying to draw attention to the miracle, but to make the point of how easy it is to not acknowledge the sources of our blessings. And then in verse 19, Jesus tells this man that his faith has saved him. Because of his praise, his faith has been increased. It was increased to a saving faith. And what about the other nine? Like I said, all 10 of them had faith in Jesus. They were yelling at him, hey, come heal us. They all had a certain level of faith at the beginning of the story. Right, but this man's faith has increased to the point of him being saved. And that's exactly what Jesus tells us. Right, your faith has saved you. 
All 10 of these men were healed. Only this man was healed and saved. His faith increased because he came back and prayed. The more we praise, the more we realize we need God. Right? It's an important part of our faith increasing, right? is to praise. It all goes back to his reaction right, of God working and his reaction of praise. The next story we're going to look in today is in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Luke 18, starting with verse 1. It says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a, a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Again, Jesus, right, tells his disciples this kind of silly story, right? And, and yet, it's, he's connecting it to their faith. But again, what's the premise of the story? I mean, it's exactly what it says in verse 1. The premise, the focus of the story is on prayer. Right? He tells them to pray and don't give up. And then he tells them this silly story about a widow who doesn't give up. And this unjust judge. Right? This widow continues to ask this judge. Even when no result comes, she continues to ask for justice. Right? And the lesson right, that Jesus is teaching his disciples, and therefore us, right, that we need to keep praying even if we don't see immediate results. He says, keep praying. And here, again, the lesson, right, not only is your faith increased with praise, but also our faith is increased with persistence. Keep going. Keep praying. Don't give up. You know, in this story, right, there are no details of the actual case or even whom the enemy of the widow is. Okay, the biggest detail that Jesus puts in this story is the character of the judge. It's very interesting, right, that again, he says this judge does not care about God and does not like people. Right, this sounds like a really up, upstanding person, doesn't it? But, again, but the point of the story, right, he's making the point of that this judge is not fit for his position. Not even close. And yet, because of the woman's persistence, she is still granted a just conclusion to her case. And then Jesus makes the comparison between this unjust judge to God, right? And he's telling us, he's like, God is the opposite of this unjust judge. Okay, um, God does care about people. In fact, he cares about you more than you can imagine, right? And God is also 100% worthy of his position and authority as God. 
And you're, again, you're not praying to this unjust judge who still gave a just verdict. You're praying to a God who loves you more than you can imagine and is 100% worthy of his position as God. And so he will answer your prayer. So don't give up. Be persistent. Right? He says, keep praying. Okay, again, God will give us a just conclusion to our prayer. Again, that's what he tells us in verse 8. He says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Again, God answers every prayer. Okay, but not every answer is yes. Okay, underline the phrase, he will grant justice. Okay, he will grant justice. He will give you a just answer to your prayer. Now, the just answer to your prayer might not be yes. Again, I can look back in my life and realize, right, there were some things that I prayed for that I'm really thankful now that God didn't say yes to. Right, now, again, but God does answer every prayer, and we can never question that. God answers every prayer. Right, now, there are three ways that God answers prayer. Okay, sometimes he answers yes. Sometimes he answers no, and sometimes he answers wait. Right? But he answers every prayer, and he's either going to answer it with a no, with a yes, or a wait. And, and when we think about that, like I said, we always know we want him to answer yes. Right? We get it. But what if the just answer is no? Then that's going to be his answer. Right? What if the just answer is wait. It is these two answers that really test our faith. And notice that's exactly what Jesus does. He connects it back to our faith. Right? It's, it is when the answer is no or when the answer is wait is when we, our faith, gets really tested. And that is when we need to focus on persistence. Right? Because if the answer is yes, then we go back to point number one and we praise. Right? But if the answer is no or wait, then we need to focus on persistence. Right? Until we find resolution to that prayer request. Yes, no, and wait. God answers every prayer. Now, again, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll, I'll tell you for me. I really do not like it when God tells me to wait. That's tough. Right? And yet, I mean, I've gotten an answer at different times, right? That's that, that's the hard, again, I can deal with a no. I mean, just to, yes or no, that's fine. But when the answer is wait, that's tough, right? Some of us are good at waiting. Okay? You, tell, you can tell this cat, he's excited, right? He's, wait, he's good at waiting, right? Like, you can't wait till the mail comes through, right? Like, so, now, others of us, like me included, right, wait more like this. Hey, <laughs> right? now... Yes, this is me. That's me waiting. Okay? It is not good. Okay? And, and, and again, we get that, right? And the waiting is not an easy thing. Okay? That, now, again, the problem is if it gets wait, sure, I'll, okay, I'll wait a day, right? Like, the problem is usually the length of the waiting that's really the problem, right? Because then we end up feeling like this. <laughs> I'm still waiting, God. Like, come on, anytime now, please. 
But again, when you think about this idea of waiting, and man, it's hard. But, but then, again, he came across, again, this, this quote, which I, I think is just very, very important. Right? Joseph waited 13 years. Abraham waited 25. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus waited 30 years before he started his public ministry. So if God is making you wait, you're in good company. Right? Again, some, sometimes the most just answer is wait. Again, and I've, I've been open with all of you guys about our adoption process, and I'll tell you, as, as we prayed about that, we just kept hearing, wait, let me do it. Wait, wait. Right? And, and again, when I was the, on sabbatical in January, right, you guys gave me that time, and God and I had a lot of conversations about the adoption at that time, and I just kept hearing, wait, wait. Right? I'm like, really, Lord? I'm done waiting. I don't want to wait anymore. Right? But now as we see, again, God has, has given us a yes, and we're walking through this process and waiting for this baby to be born and seeing it, and now I am so thankful in the timing of the yes. Right? And, and as we look back at that, and I look at, back at my own faith journey, and at times that God has told me no, and at times that God has told me to wait, it is in those times that my faith has grown the most. Right, and that is the just answer. Right, and we have to, if God is telling you to wait, then, then you do it, right, because that is going to increase your faith. Right, and the next story is we see our faith increases with, uh, again, with praise, our, it, it increases with persistence. And then we have one more answer that Jesus gives us in Luke 18, 18 through 30. Luke 18, verse 18. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. And the man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. And when Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? And he replied, what is impossible for people is possible with God. And Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. Now, as you see, again, this, this story, it starts with a foundational question. Right, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus presents the textbook answer to this guy. And he lists off a bunch of the Old Testament commandments. Right, and, and with that, right, the guy's reaction right, is like, oh, great, I've done that. Check that one off. Right, and then Jesus says, wait, but there's, there's one more thing that you haven't done. Right, and then, again, we see the story, right, is is he tells him, hey, sell everything you got, donate the money, 
then come back to me, and then you'll be ready to follow. Right now, again, this man, right, he can, he, his reaction, right, is, is he, he's sad, right? This man had done the easy stuff regarding his faith. Right? And now Jesus was getting to his heart. As we see Jesus' reaction with this man, we remember back to Luke chapter 12. Right? When we talk about treasure in heaven and how our treasure is connected to our heart and our heart is connected to our treasure. Again, if you missed that message, go back and listen to it. I encourage you to do that. But in Luke 12, 34, right, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, the desire of your heart will be also. Right, and what Jesus is telling this guy, he's saying, you know what, you've done all the easy stuff. You've gone this far, right? You've given me, you know, quite a bit in your life, but you haven't given me your heart. Right, and that's what I need. I need your heart. Right, and he's, he, again, he's telling, he literally uses the f- same phrase out of chapter 12, right? Your treasure will be in heaven if you do that. Again, this, this man had gone so far with Christ, right? He's like, but now I, I need to continue to grow in my faith. And Jesus is like, yes, you do. And this is what you need to do. This is the next step in your journey. Right, and what's his reaction? His reaction is like, Jesus, I, I can't do that for you. That's too far. I mean, I'll, I'll go this far with you, Jesus, but... That's crossing, that's too far. I, I can't cross that line. But in Jesus, again, was, was challenging him to grow. And if he did it, he would grow in his faith. His faith would go to the next level. But in order to move forward, it was going to affect an entirely new area of his life. And it was an area of his life he was not willing to give up. And Jesus is telling us, not only is your faith increased with praise, not only is it increased with persistence, but also our faith is increased with production. What is your faith producing in your life? Like, is it changing your heart? Right, because his, this guy's faith had produced a lot of good behavior, right, but it had not produced a heart change. And Jesus says, hey, it's time for your faith to produce something new, right, because you're stalled out and you know it. Right? And this is the next step for you. Right? But it's not an easy step. Production looks different depending on where you're at in your faith journey. Right? Again, the overarching theme of our vision of Join the Journey, right, is we start out, we join the journey consuming. And the more we grow in our faith, we move from consuming to contributing. Right? This guy had consumed a lot of religious stuff, but his faith had never gotten to that point where he was contributing. And now Jesus asked him to contribute Right? And again, it wasn't an easy level. I mean, Jesus tells him to contribute everything, right, to change his heart. And he's like, you know what, your heart's not going to change. Right? There was a line that he was not willing to cross. But production looks different for everybody depending on your faith journey. For one person, for this guy, it looked like selling all this stuff and donating it and following Jesus. Right? For somebody else, it looks, so, something, looks like something different. For someone, it might look like stepping up to commit to a small group this fall, right? Or maybe it's committing to lead a small group this fall. For somebody else, it might look like stepping up to help in our kids' area. For someone else, it's just inviting a neighbor to the fall kickoff barbecue. For someone else, it's going on a short-term mission trip. For someone else, it looks like signing up, turning in your car, and saying, I want to be baptized, right? Production looks different based on where you're at in your faith journey. 
right? And Jesus is saying, what is your faith producing? It will look different in everybody's journey. But when we know what the next step of production is in our faith, it can seem scary and impossible, just like it did for this guy. Because following what Jesus told him to do seemed incredibly impossible. Again, what was Jesus' reaction to him? Well, what's impossible for people is possible with God. It's like, yes, it is impossible for you, and that's exactly why I'm asking you to do it. Right, because it's, it is possible for me. So you've got to, again, move to this new area of your faith where you're trusting me and not in yourself. Right, don't put your faith in your money anymore. Put it in me. And this sums up the original question. Can, what can I do to, to earn eternal life? And Jesus says, you can't do anything to earn eternal life. Right, you've got to turn to me. Only God can save. We can't save ourselves. Right, it's impossible for us to say, but, but God will save us. He will do the impossible. Just like this rich man represents the question, right, many Christians today are willing to go so far with their faith as long as it doesn't affect too much of their life. And the moment it becomes uncomfortable or inconvenient or requires something dear to them, they stop journeying forward. Which leads us then to our lesson we learned here is if your faith isn't producing anything new in your life, it's time for a new step in your journey. If faith isn't producing anything new in your life, then it's time for a new step. Again, is that step going to be easy? Probably not. But it is possible through Christ. Right? If, if your faith is not producing anything new, then it's time for a new step. What is the next step in your journey? Again, I don't know what the next step in your journey is. My guess is you probably do. And if you don't, ask God. He'll tell you. Right, just like this guy asked Jesus, hey, what's the next step in my journey? And Jesus told him. He didn't like the answer. Right, but Jesus told him. Jesus will tell you too. Hey, what is the next step in your journey? How can your faith increase? Well, your faith can increase through praise, through persistence, and through production. And I purposely made them all start with P so you could remember them. Okay, praise, persistence, and production. All right, what's the next step of your faith? Will you take that step? Which leads it into my final thought this morning, and that's this. Until we are with God in heaven, our journey isn't over. And our faith needs to keep growing. So what do you need right now to increase your faith? What do you need to increase your faith? Again, I don't know the answer to that question. You might. If you already know, then follow through, right? Take that next step. Even if it seems impossible, it's possible with God. Right? If, if you don't know, ask God. He'll tell you. Hey, and then, then you'll know. So as we conclude our service today, I, just, I challenge you with, with that, right? What, is your, what can increase your faith? Is it praise? Is it persistence? Is it production? And whatever it is, do it. Lord God, that is our prayer this morning. God, take our hearts. God, we give it to you this morning. And God, we ask that you would increase our faith. God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we, Lord, would increase our faith with every 
choice, with every decision, with every conversation, God, with every moment this week, God, we would move forward in our faith. That we would take that next step in our journey. And God, I pray that you would give us courage. God, when we know what it is to, to do it. God, give us knowledge, God, in knowing what it is, Lord, that we'd follow you and your voice. And God, I pray that as we go this week, God, we would shine your light and your love in this dark world. God, that our faith would increase. And God, as people see our faith increase, God, they would be drawn to you too. God, help us go, Lord, knowing that you will do the impossible if we put our faith in you. Lord, we ask you to do the impossible this week. Guide us as we leave in Jesus' name. Amen.